0: I love those. Um, <clears throat> I love it, like whenever stand-up comics kind of like open with that. Like they have like a like a beer or something in their hands. Like so you know, I'm just a really bad comic and I don't love my beer. I just have my notes on the other side of this. So if you see me just looking at my beer, it's it's not. Be- it's just because I'm a bad comic. I can't remember my own jokes. So I'm just looking at at <laughs> my little note card hidden, hidden behind my beer. Meanwhile, he's an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> so in case you see me looking at it, it's not because I'm in love with it. I'm just a bad comic. Can't remember my own jokes. (laughs) Hello there. My name is Brucker, co-host of the movie podcast Film on the Rocks. And when I was in high school, I would go ghost hunting. Spoiler alert. Today on the program, Dustin and I will be talking about the book The Babysitter by R.L. Stein and its upcoming TV adaptation. So be sure to tune in to this episode of Dustin Can Read and go ahead and drop that intro music, Dustin. So you have a long-to-be-read
1: list, and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read! Welcome, everybody, to a new edition of Dustin Can Read, the Adaptation Edition, in which I'm going to talk about some old books and how they are now being turned into television shows or movies. And I just want to, you know, dive into those and how we think things are going to work out. And, you know, maybe we have a different take on them. I don't know. Maybe we won't. We'll see. Today, I am joined by Brucker from the Film on the Rocks podcast, as well as a new podcast called Autopsy of a Horror Movie, where he and guests will dissect scenes and gore factor of different films in the horror genre. And that will be coming very soon. Hey, Brucker, how you doing?
0: Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Dustin. Oh you're very
1: welcome. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm I'm welcome. No. No. <laughs> no. I don't know what to say. I'm really weird. Um <laughs> today Brucker's going to actually sit with me and we're going to talk about Ariel Stein's The Babysitter because The Babysitter is going to be turned into it sounds like a television adaptation. Um it's actually going to be coming from when I looked this up I saw this on bloody disgusting you know that horror, I guess, based mm-hmm. online mag. Bloody disgusting. And- you have to say it like that, I feel like. I'm bloody <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Disgusting. You had to put a little echo to it. And um <laughs> so yeah, I looked it up on there and it said that Lookout Entertainment and Chernen Entertainment are actually looking to turn this into a series. And I'm sure it's going to happen because it's, you know, it's a big series. So many podcasts have talked about it oh my god so many podcasts have talked about mm-hmm. it over and over that's the reason why I didn't want to do the same old same old recap and you know commentary thing because so many have done it already and I'm not really focused on things from you know pre-2000s anyway so this is how I got around that because this has to do with today and how we're going to adapt this book from 1989 for you know 2020s basically and uh, that's why I thought this would be a good idea to do that said, um, Brucker, he actually, like I was saying before, Brucker is from the Film on the Rocks podcast. Um, I ran into him online, just doing podcasting, you know.
0: However, the promo happened, stuff, you know, it yeah, we
1: just came across each other. Actually, I think it was Orlean. I, I got in contact with you via Orlean. I saw that she was doing stuff with you, and I got interested in what you were doing and like you guys, and I think you're really cool. So that's how that came about um their podcast actually deals with movies and television shows sometimes and they basically break them down they give you box office uh details they'll give you behind the scenes you know actor gossip and all that kind of stuff you know and they also do you know drinking games basically they make up drinking rules for each um episode or each television show or each movie they watch so it's really cool you should check it out uh just plugging that early on in the episode I've gotten really bad habit of putting stuff at the end of the episode. I want to put it earlier on. So season two, we're doing it earlier on.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, you're fine. And uh, thank you for mentioning all that. And just to clarify, because people because I can see some people going, oh, I'm not like too much of a drinker or really interested in stuff like that. It's more of a vehicle to sort of be like, hey, this happens a bunch throughout the movie. So it's just more fun to say that would be a drinking rule instead of wasn't this repetitive. So that's kind of the shtick of the show. yeah, 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 yeah totally yeah and it's and you don't have to actually drink alcohol with it it no. can just be
1: just for fun you just drink something or you know maybe you know mm-hmm. if you want to shoot some popcorn you know whatever
0: yeah. personally <laughs> i would do a bowl want- of m&ms that would be my alternative route to that I, that's what i would do just don't toss them in your mouth you could choke <laughs> you know
1: they don't need the, they don't need the liability on that so um <laughs> and actually Brucker actually joined us or joined a group of us together and he did a voice for the the broken chain story that I put out a little while back. It's a silly little story. You'll recognize his voice if you go back and listen to it. That was a very Um, fun collaboration. That was a really fun idea. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. And hopefully I'll 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 think of something later on we'll get to do and it'll probably be a little bit better. But that was just a little experiment. let me give a little backstory on the babysitter actually. Um, so RL Stein was a joke writer. He, that's what he grew up wanting to do. He was just always clowning around in school and whatnot. There's actually a book that I have here and it's called, it came from Ohio. it, it It's actually, it's written by uh, somebody else. I can't remember who it was written by, but it was told to them by RL Stein. So it focuses on his whole life and, um, and all how he got into the writing biz and whatnot. I learned a lot of stuff from that. i learned some stuff from just reading some articles in the past. I don't really know all my sources. I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember them. I just off the top of my head and all of this stuff. So what I want to say is, so R.L. Stein was a joke writer. And that's what he focused on growing up. He actually wrote for Eureka's Castle for Nickelodeon. Oh. He, um, yeah, he wrote a lot of joke books. He actually did the uh, book adaptation of Spaceballs. And it was yeah, that's when he went by jovial Bob Stein, that was what his name was at that time, so you know he was he was kind of he was in the writing you know area, you know, and he just kind of it almost feels like he dabbled so much in the beginning of the eighties, and then apparently he had an editor friend who was complaining to him about a writer that she had been working with, um you know writing some y a horror, and she was just you know he was difficult this this author was difficult it's rumored to be. Christopher Pike. That's the rumor. Mm. I don't know if that's for sure, but that's the rumor. And she just thought, you know, you could do so much better than this guy. You know, why don't you try your hand at writing a YA horror? And he's like, I don't know. She's, no, you could totally do it. Here, I'll give you. You know, a uh, um, blind date. There you go. There's your. There's your. uh There's your horror. There's your title. Go from that. So he used that, and that's when he wrote his first YA horror. It was called Blind Date, and I think that was in nineteen. 19- Eighty-six. He wrote Blind Date in 1986, okay. and that was followed by another one called Twisted in 1987. However, in 1989, that was kind of like his big year. Not only did this book, The Babysitter, come out, which ended up being a pretty popular book, obviously, but also that was the first year that the first Fear Street book came out. That was when his big, big series started, and that was The New Girl that came out in 1989. So he had a big year back then. The late 80s, early 90s was all about R.L. Stein. And he basically kind of was known. He was basically the figurehead for the point horror label as well. Mm. So that was what's, you know, that's why he's kind of producing this point horror series that's supposed to be coming out on HBO Max.
0: Okay, super interesting. So he's kind of like always been in this sort of um, genre, just gearing it towards kind of like, I don't know, like. Youth, (laughs) like preteens or late teenagers, kind of working with Nickelodeon, and then kind of moving into this field.
1: Right, right. He, yeah, he worked with that mainly, and uh, I I like how he went from doing lighthearted, silly stuff into this, like you know, suspenseful. And if you read Goosebumps, it all also there's also joking things in Mm -hmm. there, but then he also puts the gross or the you know the macabre in there as well, and it's it's kind of a nice balance. But when you read like Fear Street or any of his, his books that he wrote for Point Horror it's a lot more slasher like you know and it's it's a lot more you could totally see these things being turned into movies you know yeah. some of them are
0: better than others but it kind of makes sense too cuz at the time as as he's um, you know rising in, in the 80s that's when we're kind of like at peak or there's a lot of slashers in the 80s too so i guess you could definitely feel like a lot of that influence co- going through him into like how to translate that into a little bit of a younger audience too, but while kind of having that slasher edge, that's interesting. Okay. That makes more sense to me now, knowing that he kind of started in the eighties. Cause I've always kind of wondered like, where did this guy come from? In- and <laughs> <Just brought laughs> he's out of nowhere, the- right? Yeah. No, he, had, he has a history, you know, and the dude was like, he didn't get big.
1: And this was run. He was around 40 years old hmm. when he got big. So right now he's in his seventies currently, and he's still cranking out some goosebumps books, you know, and some old, you know, other YA, you know, it's pretty awesome. But uh, he's still, you know, he's still going strong. So let's go. I'm going to go ahead and read the back of the book, uh, the original book. I had the original book uh, and with the original cover. And we'll talk about the cover here in a second. But I'm going to read the back. Well, you know what? No, let's talk about the cover first. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's <laughs> talk about it. the cover first. So you have a different cover than the one that I have. I actually, my my ebook had the cover that you have. But I have the original cover and it's just her sitting on the couch, kinda looking scared. There's the door kind of parted open in the behind her and she's mm. looking out the window. Yeah. Um the girl on the cover kind of looks like um an actress called Phoebe Tonkin. She was on um the originals and uh she looks a lot like her in this in this I think it's her eyes, but I think it's really you know, your mm-hmm. cover looks a little different. Yours you're actually I guess your girl kind of looked a little younger
0: to me. Yeah, she, yeah. I'm, I have it pulled up right now. Yeah, she does look a little bit younger. Still, you know, dark hair and everything. And I think the cover or like edition I have, whatever, was the uh, issue was the um, when this book was released in the in Europe because this, like you said, this book came out in '89, I think, and th- this didn't come out in Europe until '91. And I think okay. that this was the cover that came with it. And um, yeah, and I think like, I think the main difference to me between the two is that she's actually holding a, f- a phone in my cover, which yeah, is like, you know, kind of like a, a, a centric point in this story. Um, and it looks like the as you're looking at the cover, it looks like you, the person holding the book is looking at her through curtains, almost like curtains that are uh, like a, a, a space in between curtains. So it's kind of yeah. like putting you in that weird POV, but same thing for your cover, because you're looking through a window. Um, yeah, she's sitting
1: next to the phone, yeah. like the phone's next to her. And, mm-hmm. um, but she has the door cracked open behind her, which I think is kind of interesting. And it's, it's, I'm like, what, don't you feel that breeze girl? <laughs> <laughs> There's a draft in the room, girl, Close that door. <laughs> Somebody can get in. Not my electric bill. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Mm-mm. Okay. I'm going to read the back of the book now. From the minute Jenny accepted the Hagen babysitting job, she knew she had made a mistake. First there was the dark and disheveled Hagen house, moaning and groaning with her every step. Then the crank phone call started. Hi, babes. Are you all alone? Company's coming. When Jenny discovered a creepy neighbor prowling in the backyard and a threatening note in her backpack, she realized this wasn't a harmless game. But who would want to hurt her? What kind of maniac wanted to scare Jenny to death?
0: Dun, dun, so dramatic.
1: <laughs> so dramatic. Yeah. And it was an interesting book for sure. You know, and that's a pretty decent synopsis, I guess, for that. I mm-hmm. mean, for, for a setup, you know. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, let me go ahead and get – I am mean, just going to run through the synopsis of the whole plot really quick uh, and jump in if you think I missed something important. So, yeah, Jenny – her name is Jenny Jeffers, and she's a new babysitter watching Donnie Hagen. And he's just a little boy, you know. Um, the story starts with her starting her first night going to the Hagens, And she's with her friend, Laura. And she's kind of nervous. She's a nervous girl. She's mm-hmm. constantly nervous and paranoid for some reason. I don't know why. We don't really get much on that, but.
0: No, she's such an anxious um, little girl.
1: Yeah, she is. And the beginning kind of feels like the opening to Halloween a little bit. I get a little Laurie Strode vibe from her at first and her friend. You know, you get that like yeah. innocent girl versus oh, the, like the wild
0: child girl. Yeah, it's parallel. And that's kind of like, and how she always she could be like her friends and get like attention from boys and go and do stuff because Lori Strode wishes that she could do all those things as well. Yeah. All she was missing
1: is a huge pumpkin sitting in her lap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she'd be good to go. So, yeah. So, yeah, she shows up at the Hagens, and we meet a nervous Mr. Hagan and a calm Mrs. Hagan, But, you know, so after a warning about keeping the doors locked because attacks on babysitters going on, which is just thrown out there all of a sudden yeah uh the hagans leave and they leave jenny uh, with her paranoia <laughs> in an old house that creaks and there's a and the kid is a prankster and he sneaks up on her all the time and then there's these phone calls she starts getting first it's just breathing and then it's that guy calling saying hey babes company's coming you are you alone and it's creepy <laughs> as hell yeah and so she, yeah, she, she starts, you know, as the weeks go on, she's becoming more and more paranoid. She feels like somebody's watching her at all times and, you know, and she thinks maybe it's her, the guy she, she likes, this, this crush she got has um, Chuck, Chuck because he's this jokester mm-hmm. or it's, you know, um, Mr. Willers, you know, the Hagan's you know, new neighbor that stops by and says, Hey, what's going on here? And so, you know, but she keeps going back. She keeps going back to babysit regardless. And it gets more and more creepy. She even calls the police at some point, but she doesn't really follow through when they give her like the detective's number. Like, hey, this is the guy working on these cases of all these babysitters getting attacked. You need to talk to him. She doesn't even follow through um, Lieutenant Ferris. So eventually she gets scared enough that she asks her friends to come over and hang out with her one night, even though, you know, it was against the rules. She was not supposed to have anybody over no matter what. Mr. Mm -hmm. Hagen was adamant about this. So she does, and she's making out with Chuck. At one point, she looks up, and Mr. Hagen's standing over them. He's pissed off. All the kids leave. She goes to the closet to get her coat so Mr. Hagen had to drive her home, and then she finds a box full of articles about babysitters getting attacked, and she starts realizing something. Oh, my God. Mr. Hagen's standing behind her, and he's like, let's go. He gets her in the car, and instead of taking her home, he takes her to an old rock, rock quarry, and he's going to throw her down into this huge you know off this huge cliff but then mr willers shows up and it's actually not mr willers it's lieutenant ferris he's been saying he's mr willers the whole time and there's this whole scuffle he goes to push jenny off the cliff misses he falls off the cliff and dies jenny's safe mr willers takes her home explains he's been watching them the whole time because apparently there was this whole thing with the babysitter killing or their daughter died and he blamed the babysitter mr um Hagen. yeah they blamed the babysitter for their daughter's death and went nuts and beat the shit out of her apparently and, <laughs> and got in trouble and they had to move and and i would i would have moved other than just the other side of town i would have moved right. states, but you know, that's me um <laughs> but yeah i mean he he's basically mama Voorhees incarnate reincarnated <laughs> basically blaming all babysitters for his daughter's death and it's like no that's not what happened
0: it's that 80s slasher influence man i'm just exactly what's that about
1: uh so yeah um he takes her home lieutenant ferris takes her home and chuck is there because they're worried about her because she was supposed to be home and and everything's explained to you know her mom and to chuck and everything's fine and the thing that's the, the kicker for me at the end is the mom is going, hey, um, so there's a new babysitting job down the street for these twins. <laughs> and Jenny's like, hell no. <laughs> <Do> you not just <laughs> hear what happened to me? I'm like, what the hell,
0: mom? Greedy? This <laughs> so is really just about how, um, like what poverty will drive you to do, really. Just like, you, you just ignore the safety of your own children. But hey, you need to go work because we need the money. Apparently they kind of harp on that a couple of times throughout this. But yeah, that's uh, just all the adults in this, book just kind of need to be adults <laughs> i know well this is all rl stein
1: books the adults mm-hmm. just don't adult at all they take no responsibility in these kids lives it's the yeah. kids are running the show but yeah so that's the story of the babysitter it's pretty basic it's a pretty basic story but it's, he does a pretty decent job with it um to make it something a little different you know there's something a little different about it i really liked it Mm -hmm. Um, I can see, and there's some other ones that I've read of his, of Arlstein. I love Arlstein. Don't get me wrong. I love Bob, but he can write some stinkers. (laughs) Some stinkers can come out. You know, you crank out so many, you can't have all of them be gems, you know? Right. But this one was a good one.
0: I can see how, why this one stuck around. Oh, yeah. And I think it, I thought that this one kind of did surprise me a lot. Um, I hope it's okay if I kind of get into my sort of reactions to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, so I've, I'm not really too familiar with, uh, you know, RL Stein reading his books or anything like that. Um, so this was kind of a new experience to me. So I was kind of coming to this like very fresh, uh, to this. And I was actually really surprised because I was going into this with the expectation that this whole story was going to take place in one night. Like I thought it was going to be all one babysitting gig and and that's how it started off kind of too yeah. like the first few chapters all felt like it was all gonna be one night
1: and then all of a sudden it started going to different days <laughs> and All we're like, oh, like okay. in,
0: in the pizzeria or something i was like whoa, whoa, whoa what's happening <laughs> wait <laughs> but, where did we jump did we just jump out of there what <laughs> yeah uh, but so i kind of i kind of like that it, i mean this was very much a slow burn and you know like lots of creepy things and you know arlstein is dropping all these hints to where you know there's so there's a handful of red herrings and the whole time you're trying to guess what exactly is going on and everything so it, it was pretty interesting and um to the point you made about how rl stein likes to sort of just make like the adult sort of absent kind of and you know it's all about the kids and everything i feel like that's something that you know if i were like 12 or 13 reading this that's how like my reality at the time was but like you know adults don't can't really do anything or whatever and this was because you you i don't know what when, when you were like an adolescent where you kind of felt like you had to just take on everything, just do it, you know, all yourself, or whatever. Like, you know, you want, you want to get a job. Well, but the doing. adults weren't reacting the way that yeah. they sh-
1: you thought they should, you know? Yeah. So in a way it's kind of written and the, the, from a teenager or kid's point of view mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. I can kind of see that. And I, I totally see that what you're saying. And I've thought about that as well, how, you know, it's the reason why the adults are so clueless is because kids think they know everything anyway. So <laughs> I mean, the truth we did, we did teenagers, you know, You know, if anybody's any kids listening right now, I know you don't you think I don't think I know everything. You kind of do. You kind of think you know everything. You don't realize you do, but you do. Um (laughs) that's one thing you learn when you get older. Man, you're so arrogant. (laughs) Man, I was arrogant. I didn't know shit. Um (laughs) but yeah, I totally yeah, I I liked how how he did this. I like how it was set up, and I like how it was kind of like that that slow burn. It kind of had a mix of like a Hitchcockian slash slasher feel to it yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. because of that paranoia he kept setting in for jenny she kept thinking about all the different scenarios like there was one part that really got me that she's i mean she's so wild the paranoia uh I mean, I mean it also doesn't have help that there's like newspapers all over the place yeah. <laughs> saying stuff about babysitting attacks everywhere that, i mean that would kind of
0: that would yeah. heighten anyone's sort of anxiety if yeah you like
1: you know and you know the house is creaking you know all the time that's that would creep me out too there was one part where she's like looking out the window and she's like oh my god what is that and she goes are those squirrels are they joining hands are they dancing and chanting like and it's like oh no there's just leaves moving around in a circle in
0: the wind I'm like girl chill out yeah yeah there's a lot of her calming herself down and riling herself up in this book yeah there was a lot of that
1: she's like stop it stop it don't think that way don't do that and I'm like well I kind of do that too sometimes I have to you have to talk yourself down (laughs) and she's kind of getting to that point. of like, oh, she's going to have some problems. <laughs> yeah. If you want to look at psychological levels of, you know, fear in this, she's going to have some problems.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's kind of like one of those things where I almost kind of felt like I wondered if he, I, I, I kind of wonder why he did it. I guess just to show how vulnerable this character is and, you know, the more vulnerable that the character is, the more you sort of, uh, sort, I guess like empathize with them or you kind of fear for them sort of thing so yeah. yeah or you
1: kind of want to know what what would they do if they get into this fight or flight situation yeah really If you know are they really like this or is this just kind of like how they think that they are and maybe there's not their true self kind of mm-hmm. thing rise to the occasion or you know kind of thing and you know and there's one thing i also uh, i noted and i forgot to look it up so jenny she mentions at one point in the book that she's getting paid five dollars an hour to babysit which was 1989 wasn't too bad of you know yeah uh, that, course, that, uh, that might be sort of standard for like a babysitting gig, I guess. Yeah. What would be babysitting feed now? Do you know? I don't, I mean, I don't know anybody who babysits. So honestly, I'm going to guess it's
0: 20. I, phew, Dude, I don't know. I see. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Cause I always babysit it for, for my own cousins. So it's kind of just like, Hey, your blood, you're doing it. Cause we told you to sort of thing. So yeah. I don't have a baseline um, you know, as I feel like I feel like dinner has to be like like a given like you're giving them like you're ordering food for them at least. And then whatever whatever it comes with that is just, you know, as long as you did a good job, the house is clean. The kids are in one in one piece when when we come home, you know, here's 20 bucks. I feel like it's just kind of like a flat rate, but I don't know anymore. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. See, I'm thinking I know five dollars wouldn't cut it. Ten dollars kind
1: of iffy. I'm thinking 15 to 20 is probably what if you're going to do an hourly thing mm-hmm. now. I'm thinking also that would be what somebody, if you would have to go through care.com or something like that, that would probably be about the amount as well. If you're going to be doing, you know, a neighborhood kid or maybe a family, you know, a relative or something. I don't know. It just seems. I just felt I was like, nah, I want to know how much it is. It made me curious. So anyway, we'll get off that. But um what I also wanted to note was that when I was reading this book this edition that I had when I was reading this ebook and it was like, Hey, are you interested in babysitters? Read the babysitters club. I'm like, not the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Not the same audience guys. (laughs) Say hello to your friends and then stab them to death. Like, no, like (laughs) no, no. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. I wanted to ask you, did you have a lot of typos in your book? Oh, several. Like Donnie was Denny for half the book.
0: Yes. It kept going Donnie, Denny, Donnie, Denny back and forth yeah and i was like there was one like part where there was like, like dialect that the parents have that i'm un, I'm a, unaware of and they just call him denny for some reason but it's really Donnie. i don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> i also kept like when she saw the note that he got that she got in her, yes. in her bag except that comp ants coming did you get that yes, i had Kump that too. Ant's coming. Ant's coming i was
0: i was so lost i was like okay either this is just a, a, a fuck up on the editor or this is like some sort of clue kind of like how the zodiac spelled paradise wrong like this this whoever yeah is the babysitter bully or beat up or whatever he can't spell uh, uh these words so like, i wonder if that was like a clue i was like <laughs> i thought that too
1: I was like, okay, it's doing it every time. All right, comp ants, comp ants, comp ants, comp ants. Okay, comp ants means something. But she's not saying anything about it. (laughs) Why is this misspelled and she's not saying anything about it? Oh, kills me. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad I wasn't crazy. Oh, man, that that was driving me nuts. And then all the hyphens in between the words, like for no reason. (laughs) Come, Ming. Go, Wing. Like, why, why are you doing that? yeah it was
0: it was odd so i have a i have a question for you that's kind of more of like a crazy fan theory for this book okay and i apologize if this was somewhere explained and i just completely glossed over it but so we find out that jenny saved donnie at the mall from drowning basically and donnie kind of like escaped supervision from his parents to me that felt like a setup like this this to me kind of felt like Mr. Hagen going, okay, who's like a worthy opponent sort of thing. I'm going to bait somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally get that. Yeah. So I thought that
1: too. I thought that was like, maybe I was like for somebody who's so paranoid about his kid being safe for the kid to be run, to have run off that easily. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. (laughs) He would have had a leash on that kid. if That's how paranoid he was.
0: Yeah. And And it it just felt it felt so weird it just felt like it was on purpose it really did it did feel really yeah it really felt
1: like like she was being like i don't know i i didn't really see cabin in the woods but it felt like
0: some kind of you know test oh. situation <laughs> somebody was getting set up in you know a trinket you unlock as a drowning kid and you summon me for it would be great <laughs> I love that because the alternative is that you just let the kid drown and you just survive the rest of the movie. <laughs> I know. She would have been fine if she just minded her own damn business.
1: <laughs> not my kid. Not my problem. No good D goes unpunished. <laughs> you know, that's the truth. Yeah, for sure. You know, another thing I forgot to mention that was also amping up the paranoia for me was the damn clock that kept ticking. yes Yes. she kept noticing that clock yes tick tock tick tock whenever she started like getting freaked out she noticed the clock and it's tick tock tick tock Mm -hmm. i was like that's a good device yes he had a really good little devices in here that i think that once you know now i want to kind of get into what we think is going to happen in an adaptation of this but i think that will definitely be used as a as a device to really amp up some paranoia especially if they go like a hitchcockian route Mm -hmm. with it for sure. What do you think, Anna?
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's like some of my favorite details from this, because I I personally I don't know why I'm like this, but I don't care too much to get like too many like character like physical traits. I kinda just want to like supplant whoever I think this this is based off of personality or whatever. But I loved all the yeah. details we got of him describing the house. You know, we got the clock, how like uh the like the you could hear like footsteps real easily. I was just walking on the floorboards and there was like some shutters banging a bunch. So I kind of liked all the details of the house and how it just seemed endless at some points. Like when she was playing hide and go seek with Donnie, she's like, Oh, he could be in so many rooms. Uh, and just, I just, Oh yeah. I just loved all of that. And it's, it's so those old
1: Victorians, man. Yeah. That's kind of like, so, well, the Victorian is basically what, like the Adams family house, mm-hmm. you know, and it had those huge, like towering, you know, I don't know what you would call those things. Um, you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like this, like, tower. And, you know, a lot of times I'll have, like,
0: a widow's walk on the top. It's steeple, but I feel like that's for something else. But, yeah. Yeah, that's not what it is. Yeah, but thank <laughs>
1: No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, you're in the right also
0: direction. It's not steeple.
1: <laughs> not steeple. Not tower. Something in between. It's not a turret because it's not round. <laughs> <laughs> but it's similar. It's got that same, you know what I mean. Anyway. So, yeah, it's an old Victorian house. Which, so, I'm thinking, they never really told you where this was set. Now, obviously, he is from Ohio, so we can assume that it's like Ohio because it's kind of East Coast almost. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, yeah, more Mainish, ish more Massachusetts because of this Victorian house, you know, the way it's all set up. I'm just thinking that's where it's going to go as far as like setting goes. Yeah, I don't know. Does that yeah. sound
0: about right? Yeah. I'm on, yeah,
1: I'll um, thing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, so as far as cast goes. I want to go into casting because I have some ideas and some of them you probably know. Some of them probably don't. I mean, I don't know a lot of new people. Yeah. I am mean, not as <laughs> I have. I mean, I watch a lot of Netflix movies and, you know, I watch some CW shows. So I know some people, but I don't know a lot, but I have, I want to keep ideas, them current. So. As much as possible. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay. So let's go ahead. We'll go ahead and start with the star, Jenny Jeffers. So I have down like, I went by physical trait and like how we first meet them, like the characterization of them. The first few pages, I kind of just went, all right, I got to build somebody now that I can watch in my head basically. Mm -hmm. So since I was doing this, I thought, all right, I'm going to pull somebody that I know and who I can think of. And the first one that started off. So she has dark hair. She's kind of got like a a sad kind of jaw, like a pouty mouth apparently. Um, And I've seen this girl play this type of role before. And um, she's on legacies and her name is Kaylee Bryant. And uh she's got dark hair and everything. She, I mean, she has the perfect pouty mouth, just like that sad, just like. Mm, but she she looks like deer in headlights, or take care of me. But she also can turn on you and look like I'm a badass. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, are you trying to look her up? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, Kaylee Bryant legacies. Okay. So her, or if you want to go not the obvious route, and you want to do um a more you know, diverse casting. You know, since she has dark hair and everything, you could go with somebody, a person of color, or you can go with a black person. And I thought, uh, I don't know if you say it, if it's Tamara or Tamara Smart. She was in Artemis Fowl. She's in the show The Worst Witch. She's in Are You Fred of the Dark? The Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. I thought she would be a good lead. She could play that part as well. And to counter those parts, um, if you wanted if you wanted the black girl to be that part and you wanted the black mom, you can have like Gabriel Union or somebody be Mrs. Jeffers. Um, I thought maybe somebody like going off physical traits alone (laughs) for talking Mrs. Jeffers. There was when you first get introduced to her. Jenny, like, says something how her mom is flat like her. (laughs) (laughs) She's flat chested. So going based off that solely. And knowing the age group, I went with Claire Danes because Claire Danes is, you know, she's been notoriously not big bosomed. That's just how she is. That's how she's built. But she's a great actress. Okay, yeah. You know, she's really, you know, I think she's great. Um, I just thought based solely on the physical description that was on that. What did you think? What do you think about Jenny?
0: So, OK, so first off, I didn't go by physical traits. I kind of went by who I thought, who I've seen before, I feel like could act like a, like a good nervous person. And also I am horrible when it comes to like coming up with casting ideas. So a lot of my ages won't make too much sense uh, because I can't think of too many people that would be able to play a sophomore in high school. But somebody that I thought of for Jenny, that'd be really good was a Ana de Amaras. She was, she was uh, the the nurse in knives out. Okay. And just because I felt like that she can really sort of like capture that uh, anxiousness real well. And we kind of saw how she had had that in that movie. And she's also just a really good actress. So I feel like that that was just who I was picturing while reading this book. Uh who was <laughs> what Jenny would be like. Oh yeah, I could totally see that. But yeah, you're right. She's a little old, but yeah. You know, I could totally see it. Age down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean everyone I'm going to say it's going to be a little old, so I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we could always do
1: the whole, you know, Marvel aging back twenty years thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they're Freshman in college home for the summer babysitting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she oh, I also a thought lot. Elizabeth <laughs>
1: Banks could also play Mrs. Jeffers as well. Mm-hmm. I just like, I like casting moms and dads now with people who are my age. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Sad. Okay. So, um, so I don't know really much, you know, I, I, Laura, Laura is the best friend. She's the, I want to say the Tatum If you want to say, you know, if you want to go with Scream reference, she's kind of that role or the what's the other. um, What's the girl's name in uh, Halloween? Lori's friends.
0: Oh, there's a I think Annie and. um, Oh, shoot. Bob, Bob is the ghost guy. Yes, I feel so stupid. Uh, Linda, that's it. Linda, Annie and Linda. Right. Okay. thank you. I just covered that movie like like a month ago. I can't believe I already forgot the <laughs> Well, a lot of stuff happened. It's okay.
1: But yeah, she's kinda like that role. right? So I thought I don't really know. I just based off the looks in general, because it's supposed to be blonde hair or whatever. I thought, um, all right, let me think of somebody who's new. So I, I looked up, oh, Star Girl. Stargirl's blonde. <laughs> so I looked up Star Girl and I was like, well, yeah, she fit that role. And she's kind of petite and whatnot. And uh And she probably has a big, big personality. You have to be be a star of a show. Mm -hmm. So Breck Basinger. Um, But the other person I thought was Olivia Holt. She was from Colton Dagger. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Olivia Holt. Um, She's actually from my town. She went to my high school. That's so cool. I know it's so weird. I found this out. One of my friends was working. He, you know, he worked out in LA and she was shooting something nearby and he had a name tag on that said he was from South Ava, Mississippi, and she walked by and saw it. She was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, hometown girl, Olivia Holt would be awesome. I think she's got the blonde hair and I think she can pull that off. She's still young enough, I think.
0: Yeah, for for Laura, I had uh, Catherine Newton, who was uh, she was just in that movie Freaky with Vince Vaughn yes you know what yeah i could totally see that yeah that's a that's all yeah. i had like i just had <laughs> to have a deep roster for that but i thought that that would be a, a pretty good poll for that um yeah that would definitely be good and chuck okay do you have anybody for chuck yes so i have and again this was just who i was picturing in my head uh, dylan arnold who was he was in the halloween 2018 uh, like remake or reboot and he played this he played like an annoying boyfriend in that movie and I and Chuck is a very obnoxious person who doesn't take no for an answer, which is but um he so I kind of and he Dylan Arnold kind of at times, depending like, you know, what role he's playing, but he had like this long curly hair and I kind of see it as like that goofball sort of character. Um, yeah,
1: I can kind of see that I'm pulling up his picture now and he kind of looks like he can play that kind of goofy doofus type role. But I feel like right? he could
0: also turn it turn it on and be like not taking no for an answer, which Chuck is that kind of person. So turn on a dime. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, uh, something's up with you. Yeah. yeah.
1: I thought like, which going off that kind of in a way, um, there's a guy. who I'm, I've been watching Dash and Lily and, on Netflix, and they cast this guy so well from reading the book. I'm, you know, um, the guy who plays Edgar in Dash and Lily, his name is Glenn McEwen. And I think it's spelled. I think it's pronounced McEwen. It's M-C-U-E-N. Um, and he plays that role of this, it's the same type of role, actually, just this kind of doofus who's goofing around, doesn't really pay attention to, you know, doesn't read the signals at all, just kind of goes, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he totally plays that role perfectly. And I could totally see him in this role.
0: Yes. Oh, now yeah. my
1: favorite, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no I was just saying, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> now the parts I really wanted to cast are Mr. and Mrs. Hagen. Okay, <laughs> those are the roles I'm really concerned with because like I said,
0: I love to cast the parent roles because they're totally the people who are my age group. <laughs> you Sadly. can help me out because I had such a hard time figuring out somebody for Mrs. Hagen. But well, I the only reason why I thought of this because I had recently seen somebody
1: literally like an hour or two before and before I read the description of her. And I went, okay, yeah, this would be totally this person and it just popped right in my head. Um, So Mrs. Hagen, we just start with her. I said somebody, I think it's somebody who could be charming, but you don't know if she's sinister. Okay. Because of how everything turns out Mm -hmm. and and how, you know, what's up with all these people. You kind of want those type of roles. You want those people who, oh, she's really nice. Or is she, you know, is she just being, you know, like I'm thinking Lizzie Kaplan. Do you know Lizzie Kaplan? She's from Mean Girls. She played um, uh, Janice. Oh, and Mean Girls. Oh yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. That You would... see what I'm saying? She could totally be Mrs. Hagen. She has that like I could be really sweet, or she has those eyes that could like go just really sweet to really dead, you know, and mm-hmm. really quick. Like she could do that so well.
0: Okay, interesting. I think you and I had like a slightly different interpretation of that character, but I I kind of like yours a little bit more than mine. See, I kind of I don't know why, but I kind of pictured Miss Hagen or Mrs. Hagen as. I don't know, like, kind of like this newsy person, like somebody like works at, like I don't know, like the newspaper or whatever, how much she's like a linguist. But I kind of just saw her spurns, like, oh, darling, don't trouble my husband. He is, I don't know, just, he's so paranoid or whatever. I kind of just see her, like, always kind of like having like this loud upspeak, sort of like, oh, this grand dame type of person. Yeah, sort of like, oh, don't bother him with the little details, but have fun babysitting and we'll be home at some point if my husband lets us stay out, you know, kind of thing. Like, I don't know, just kind of like not a real person, almost. <laughs> more of a caricature yeah and i i don't know why i just pictured her does it that. sounds like
1: anti-mame it sounds like you just thought of anti-mame <laughs> to be you need to see that movie by the way if you don't know who i'm talking about um she's that character right there <laughs> well, so okay. you didn't have
0: anybody specific in mind you just had that a caricature of a person yeah i just had the character of a person i was like i don't know who could who, who would do that or whatever but yeah okay so i'm glad you had but i really liked your idea as like kind of like this person you don't know if you can trust and because she does say things that's kind of weird, like just if anything weird happens, just don't tell my husband, you know. Like, kinda, why? Why would you say that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can right. I tell you? And then the second she tries to tell her, she cuts her off, and I'm like,
1: well, I mean, you're yeah. not gonna tell. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh God.
0: And I was kind of saying He's like, oh, if anything, oh, if anything weird happens, just don't bother my husband with that. We don't need that, darling. Like you know, kind of thing. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, it's really, really strange. Yeah. I don't know. Uh. So okay, so Mister Hagen, they
1: all right. So when he first comes into the picture. He is described as being really tall and broad and, but he's not the type of person you would see as being this kind of bumbly nervous wreck that he is. And that's how he's kind of described. And so I'm thinking he's got to be somebody that can be this tall, broad guy that can play a nervous wreck almost comedically. Cause I'm thinking that's what we want to see at first. He's got to be kind of comical until he's not. And then you're like, Oh, he's evil. (laughs) There's something messed up in this guy's head. So my my first thought, I have two people. One of them is kind of like, eh, that's kind of like my backup casting. My, well, I'll give you that one first. My backup casting is Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, interesting. Because he has that good, he has that way of just like, he can look so nice and just so welcoming. And then he can just turn on a dime and just be so just mean looking.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he, I think he can pull that off. He's got that raspiness. He can do that nervousness to him. You know, I think he has a big personality to where he could command the screen in that way. I think that'd be a good cast. But my main one, who I totally thought could do this role, John Cena. Oh,
0: that's amazing. I mean, he would be uh, very intimidating for for a handful of reasons. But that's a I know.
1: But he would like oh he'd be all um, bumbling and stuff. You're like, oh, he's a really nice guy.
0: He's oh he he's not as intimidating as you think he is, and no he is. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. That's that's very interesting. I think I think I kind of like uh, your first choice, actually, uh, Keegan-Michael Key a little bit, just because I feel like that flip would be a little bit more dramatic, I feel like. I don't know, but uh, that's interesting. Michael Cena. Oh, John Cena. I, I mean, John Cena. John Cena, sorry. All right, not <laughs> Michael Cena. John Cena. I don't know who Michael Cena is, but yeah, that's... <laughs> Michael Cena now playing. I, I love the look <laughs> on your face when I, when I said that. <laughs> I <was> like... <laughs> Wait, what? Anyways, but yeah, so I really like <laughs> I like that I like those a lot. Um as you were kind of explaining your how you thought that this person should sort of be like, maybe think of uh, Michael Keaton a little bit. Yes. That he would be good. Because he kind of does that in Spider Man Homecoming a little bit. Oh yeah. Well he's I mean, look at him in Beetlejuice and yeah, yeah. anything. He have you ever seen Mr. Mom? <laughs> I actually haven't seen
1: Mr. Mom, but <gasps> you need to see Mr. Mom. That's that's he that's where he shows his comedic chops. Like that's where he he's it's flat out comedy and it's it's great. And he goes nuts in it too. He does that kind of flip up and down kind of role, you know, where you're like, Oh, he's kind of losing it. But uh that's in a more comedic way and not in a scary way
0: and <laughs> like he would be in, you know, the villain, you know. Mm. So, um, I was also, so I just thought of Michael Keaton now, but before in my notes, I had Michael Shannon actually, uh, going into this. Ooh. Um, just, yeah, I could see
1: that. Yeah. I don't He's know. small. It's not really that it's going against the, the description mm-hmm. as far as like his build and his size or whatnot, which is okay. I mean, big deal. As long as they have the personality and they can pr- command the part, mm-hmm. I don't think it really matters that they stick to the description unless it's a real big part of what happens in the story, you right? know? Um, so, yeah, I could see Michael Shannon doing that. He comes across, he can come across as very kind of innocent. But, I mean, obviously, if you you know, if, if you've seen Man of Steel mm-hmm. or any other roles that he's played, the sinister character, he can command a screen and make it
0: evil at yeah. the same time. Yeah, I think so, too. And I don't know why. I just love the way he talks. The way he speaks is very, I don't know. Uh, appealing. He's got a little bit of a lisp to it. Yeah, he kind of does. And I, I like, like I do. So maybe that's why you like the way I talk because I have a little <laughs> bit of a lisp, so. Yeah. So, yeah, I, he was like one of the first people I had in mind for that. But um, I actually kind of like some of your suggestions more, actually. So, <laughs> well, there you go. So, the last one
1: I I don't really care about Donnie. It could be any kid can play Donnie. I don't yeah, care. I don't Ford. really care about, yeah, Eugene or Bob. I don't really care about them. These are Laura's little side pets that yeah. she's, you know, dating one or not. And you don't know who she's dating. I, don't, I I got confused with that whole situation. I really didn't care about them. Yeah. Those could be any. Nameless figure. The last one I want to talk about is Willer's quote: "Willer's the neighbor," <laughs> or you know, Lieutenant Ferris. Mm-hmm. Let later find out. So he comes up, and he's an older guy apparently, and he's got the first thing that I is described about him is his bushy eyebrows
0: mm-hmm.
1: when he first comes in, and that's the first thing I went to, and I went, "All right, bushy eyebrows. Where am I going with this? Who can I pick?" So there's only two actors that first came to mind with bushy eyebrows. Peter Gallagher, <laughs> or Eugene Levy. Okay. That would be right for this part. Not Dan Levy, because obviously because he's too young, but um, Eugene would be perfect. And he, he'd be this kind of role that he's also that type of person that I think he could pull off. Oh, you know, he's always that nice dad figure, but is he in this one? Like you don't know.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think that he's kind of like that wild card. You might, he might not be. And I think that's where you could play with that a little bit mm-hmm. and make him a little more dark. And, you know, he's in the bushes, you know, at night and she's out in the yard looking and it's this creepy Eugene Levy. What the hell, yeah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> or or Peter Gallagher, either way, Peter Gallagher's not as creepy, but he's got a big, Peter Gallagher's got a big wide mouth that he can kind of give you that Cheshire cat type of smile, I guess. Mm. So that might be creepy enough as well. So um,
0: I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about? willers slash lieutenant ferris so i had two very different choices for this um <laughs> the first one i had was uh brandon gleason um i don't do you know who i'm talking about mad eye moody from yes. Potter. yeah which i'm sure he's been in lots of stuff and i don't know that was just the first example that came to keep my mind anyways um i kind of had him just because i could really see him just being kind of like this really gruff person and i can see that because willers is supposed to be one of the red herrings in this story and you can see him being gruff because he's a red herring like he could be this weird person or he's just gruff because he's a cop he just can't turn it off so (laughs) i've seen too much shit i've seen too many things (laughs) in Bush's kids uh i I don't have time to trim my eyebrows (laughs) Uh, so, so I can, oh, yeah, see, I can totally see that Matt eye Moody, yeah, yeah. So, I can see like that reveal being like, oh, he's just a cop, like thing, like it, it, he wouldn't really have to change his personality too much. It's just like, I'm a cop, ah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you sound like McGruff, <laughs>
1: <laughs> take a bite out of crime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, oh, okay. So, that was oh, great, you did, you sounded just like McGruff. Right? <laughs> the, um, my second choice, which is. Going completely the other direction, so this would be like a little bit younger person. Mm-hmm. But I had a Oliver Jackson Cohen, who was um, he was in the newest um, he was in the remake of The Invisible Man, and he was in Haunted okay. House. Um, so is he the bad guy from The Invisible Invisible yes, Man? Yes, he is. Okay,
1: I didn't see it, so I you don't
0: know. know. Yeah, no, yeah, so you know him, and so I picked him because um, you, he can just he, he could definitely seem innocent but he kind of also can like carry like this dark side with him too um so i kind of two completely different directions i kind of i think i if i were to choose i probably leaned the brendan gleason a little bit just because of how you know how much gruff and attitude he would bring with that but yeah oliver jackson cohen was another person i thought it would be that would bring a completely different um feel to that character but i think it would still work Oh yeah, totally. Well, he he bring a different feel because he'd be
1: younger. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're thinking Willers. That sounds like you know, and and the description's an older guy. Yeah. But I mean, anybody could be an older guy to a teenager. So exactly. You know what I mean? So he could be twenties, and he, she'd be, oh, he's old. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so that that could totally work, and you know, and yeah, I could totally see that. That'd be great. So I wanted to. I wanted to get into. uh, There's this thing I wanted to do, and it's it's a little segment I kind of want to do in all these adaptation episodes. And it's basically if you could, if you had to uh, cast these roles using cartoon characters, who would you cast in which role? (laughs) So, with that in mind, I need you to give me a few cartoon characters, and we will spin the reel and see who we get and we're going to cast them real quick okay Okay. we'll be right back right after he gives me these characters Mm -hmm. so okay i got him in here thank you brooker for that and i'm going to spin the wheel and see what we get Okay, so we're going to cast this group of characters using the characters from Scooby Doo. Awesome. Yes. So, any character from Scooby Doo, even the you know, if you if you were like, hey, I can't think of anything. Okay, the Harlem Globetrotters, I don't care, put them in there. So, okay, let's go ahead and start first. So, our main final girl, Jenny Jeffers. Who are we going to cast as Jenny Jeffers? Now, you got to think about who they are in the Scooby Doo universe and how they would fit into this role. Mm-hmm. As their Scooby Doo counterpart, like kind of you want to count. I I I count this as casting counterparts, basically.
0: Okay, so is it kind of like more just okay, kind of like more like their personality, not so much physical features. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like who would fit that role more? Because so. I you get if you ever get like if we
1: do this again, and you get like cartoon characters that are animals. I mean, come on. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? What are you going to do? Yeah, you have to do it with their personalities so for, for for jenny for jenny from scooby-doo i think shaggy just how paranoid she is and scared of everything she kind of riles herself up and does something i feel like shaggy he assumes everything is a ghost you know when you watch that show so i and she kind of like fakes you know it's the squirrels dancing summoning the devil i don't know so i feel like, <laughs> so, I can, so i can see shaggy leaping to that conclusion <laughs> Oh yeah, totally. Yes, I can totally see that. Yeah, I was thinking Velma at first. I was like, Velma's too logical. She's she's too grounded to, to to sort of. If you did like a mashup of
1: Shaggy and Velma, be perfect. Actually, yeah. Velma would look the part. Shaggy would act the part. Exactly. There you go. I totally agree with that. And totally, you know, Daphne is totally Laura. Oh, hun, the best. You don't have to change a thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, not to change a thing. Fred. uh... uh Bip. <sighs> Fred could be one of Laura's boyfriends, I think. Yeah, either one of them. He's kind of he's kind of Fred's like the least person has the least personality of anyone in that group. By the way,
0: yeah, he just likes to (laughs) come up with traps.
1: That's it. And (laughs) yeah, that's all he does. And just like I'm going to call the shots. Why?
0: (laughs) Because I'm maybe Willers. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) Eh, maybe does a gun count as a trap? I don't know, but yeah.
1: You know, who I want to say, I was going to say Chuck would be Scooby, but Chuck would not be Scooby. Chuck would be Scrappy-Doo.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Chuck is totally Scrappy-Doo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not taking no, being annoying, peeing on everything. Yeah, that's Chuck for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> Peeing on everything.
1: <laughs> Do they have, I mean, they have other extended people in this universe, don't they? We got to cast, we got to cast the Higgins. Ooh, Oh, yeah. Oh, but Scrappy could totally be Donnie as well. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, for sure. You know what? No, scratch that. Scrappy's Donnie. For me, anyway. (laughs) Everything fits. Scrappy's Donnie. (laughs) Chuck be damned. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Chuck is, you know what? Chuck is Scooby-Doo. Yes. Yes. And um, I guess that, I guess that Mrs. Hagen could be the, because there's always like that cop or sheriff at the end. So it's like, oh, this was going on the whole time. Just like sums up everything. Now that I'm saying that loud, I don't know if that actually makes sense, but it's just kind of like that person that's just there at the end. Just a very static person that doesn't really change too much.
1: Or the like the, the inn owner who isn't the one who's doing this, but has everything doing somebody's – one of her employees is actually haunting the inn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like the owner. She's like the innocent one who called Mystery Inc. in to help get help. That's who she is. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, the the villain, you rip the mask off, it's got to be, you know, obviously you're going to say that, but um, that's Mr. Hagen. But I just feel like that's too easy. I want it to be somebody else
0: in that. But is there really anybody else? I mean, other uh, than the the, the the mystery machine is the the city bus. Everybody's just being driven around. <laughs> <in that. laughs> we just cast the city bus. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a major character in this
1: book. It really is. She uses it a lot. Yeah, it yeah, really does. And Mystery Inc. always breaks down, so they have to get rides for people and stay places all the way all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So she always has to get rides. It makes sense. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, the house in this was perfect. Scooby Doo. Oh yeah, really. <laughs> set up the Victorian, the old dilapidated the Victorian. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: in the eighties. Oh yeah, totally. And you find and out of course, that the babysitter was beating up babysitters to keep him away from some sort of treasure he has in the house or something like that. Why would you hire a babysitter in the first place? It's all trash. for the Scooby-Doo script. It was all Red Herring. <laughs> hey, Red Herring. <laughs> Remember
1: from Pup Named Scooby-Doo? Yeah. <laughs> red Herring right there. We could totally use them. He's in the Scooby-Doo universe. Oh, dude. That's Willers. Yeah. Willers is Red Herring. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Works out perfectly. So overall, how do we think that this is going to translate? I mean, what kind of of, uh, production will this be? I'm thinking it's going to have to be a movie.
0: Mm -hmm. And the
1: reason why I say that is because earlier I said it was Chirnin Entertainment was one of the production companies that's in on it. Well, Chirnin Entertainment is also the production company that has made all three of the Fear Street movies that will be coming out on Netflix. Chirnin has a, a deal with Netflix, so I'm pretty sure this will probably show up on there as well. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's what's going to happen. And I'm thinking that's probably going to be like a four movie deal and not a series because I don't know if I could watch eight to 10 episodes of a girl constantly being paranoid <laughs> for no damn reason Fair and point. seeing squirrels and shit dancing around and so, you know stuff like that. I that's going to get annoying. I could see a movie or a really short, like
0: four episode series. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was, I don't know if you ever watched this, but the, the MTV scream series, uh, yes i love it it's kind of reminded me of that like just like certain it was really kind mostly like the phone calls kind of and it's just like over a period of days that's like that's what kind of like reminded me of it i was like oh i guess if this were a tv show you could kind of work it that way because like each episode kind of introduces a new red herring or clue or whatever but the point you just made I up, can see is like each away.
1: episode a new babysitter gets beat up yeah <laughs> And she's like it's coming i'm like well, yeah quit babysitting
0: <laughs> <laughs> moron." yeah so i and we kind of talked about this at the beginning of this recording but i feel like that this would work better maybe as you know like a single night or like condense it all down to like a 90 or 100 minute movie um but yeah, yes definitely it's, yeah so yeah i think i agree with you it'd be better as a movie and
1: yeah, movie. <laughs> now, do you think it should take place? When do you think it should take place? Do you think it should take place in the in the 80s? Or do you think it should take place now? And they could try to, like, make it to where
0: the Hagans have a landline or something. I don't know. Interesting. I think, hmm. I mean, personally, I think I would like to see in the 80s just to, you know, add a little bit of texture to it. Um, and it, it depends on how much that they would have to, that they would play cell phones into this, really. Because, right. you know, with because you know part of this is that uh chuck is a red herring because he calls and he got the phone number from uh jenny's mom and that's how he called and you know so that was like a little like mini mystery in this and i feel like if she just had a cell phone you would kind of be missing that because it would probably just be chuck calling her and she would already have his number and everything so i feel like that would be too much of a plot hole to get around or whatever um yeah it would be so much you'd have to be like oh we have bad cell service in this
1: area or something you know we'd have to really explain stuff and it would i, I agree with you it really needs to take place in the past it needs to take place it raises the stakes too you know when there absolutely is no cell phones yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not just oh i have to walk down the street and i get a signal it's nothing you have nothing you know yeah. and that's that's what's if you think about it that's actually really scary now
0: <laughs> yeah it is. and the whole um like babysitting or deal too cuz i feel like a lot of it should be like you know just give the kid you know an ipad and he's just going to bed easy you know you know in the 80s you got to really you know trick them into going to bed and everything cuz you know they're just in bed there's, there's cuz i feel like today i feel like you just give a kid an ipad and they'll just like fall asleep watching something and yeah yeah so i don't know i feel like that kind of and also yeah, while we're frying like, their brains yeah exactly. so i don't Fair i mean either. i would like to see this in the 80s give it a little bit more texture
1: and everything and uh, plus, well, that's what I liked about what they're doing with the Fear Street um, movies. They're taking place in the 90s. Okay. That's so I awesome. think it takes place in like 94. The first one takes place in 94. And then the next one, it starts in 94, but then it travels. I think it's like a flashback movie. So it takes place back in the 70s. And then the third one actually takes place in the 1800s. Oh, awesome. It just keeps going back further, which is why, not you want to get into it too much, but I think they're probably going to cover the Fear Street saga information you know, the history and whatnot. So yeah, cheering in entertainment is, um, amping this up. And I hope that they I haven't heard much about it since they announced it, that they were working on it, which that tends to happen nowadays a lot. They'll be like, Hey, we're doing this thing. And then like two years later, they actually made it. And you're like, what, you made that? <laughs> we forgot all about it. You know, I'm really hoping that they go, like you said, that kind of that scream route, you know, if, if they do do it modern, they can do it that way, I'm sure. You know, um, but I don't know. It just feels like it need too much explanation. Yeah. Too much.
0: I think it, um, before we, you know, kind of still talk about like the uh, being adapted, I think that this would also work. They kind of wanted to go like a little bit more serious direction or kind of just really focus in on that slow burn that this book has uh, in adapting that i think uh, if i were to like pick a director for that i think somebody that'd be really good at that is a uh, karen kusama uh she's directed this movie that's called the invitation and the, which that movie is just that movie is a slow burn but you're just kind of on pins and needles the whole time and you're you know not really figuring out what's going on or whatever and she does such a good job at building that's uh you uh you oh my goodness, your paranoia, suspicion for everybody, and your anxiety. So I feel like if they were to sort of really focus in on that aspect of the story, that like Karen Kusama would just knock that out of the park. And she's also directed other things, like a, a Jennifer's Body. Uh, so she's kind of been doing stuff in horror for a while.
1: Well, and teenagers too, yep. so that's good. <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, the, the group that's working on the new Scream...
0: Oh, uh do, 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 do. Um,
1: I think Matt Batanelli, open and Tyler Gillett. Yeah. Gillett, say their names, but they're the ones that actually worked on um, ready, or uh, ready or not. Yeah. And I think they might be good because if they're, you know, if they want to, if you want to amp up some like thriller type stuff going on, as far as like, you know, if we want to go slasher route with it. Right. Now, if not, you want to do something like a slow burn. Yours. I mean, obviously, Um I really, I really, we need some more Hitchcocky type directors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need more of those. We need to, you know, I mean, I don't mind the horror genre, but I think there's too much flash, and I think we need some really good psychological horror, like the kind that doesn't need special effects. That's, you know, just something with good twists in it that you're like, whoa, I did not see that coming, you know? Yeah. And that's the type of thing I think this needs to be. I think it needs to be more psychological than anything. hmm Because of her paranoia, you know? And Yeah. And probably do a lot to amp up visually the stuff that she's seeing, you know, quote, seeing, and, you know, or stuff that she hears, or, you know, especially if you have surround sound. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Hearing the creeks in the house. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that'd be great. Ooh. sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I agree with everything. Yeah. So, yeah, i I'm, I'm glad that I read this book. Finally, I've been wanting to read it for forever and everybody in the world seems to have read it. (laughs) And I never did. And every podcast I know has, you know, as far as book ones go, they've all done an episode on it. I never did. So so yeah, anyway, thank you, Brucker, for coming on and for, you know, doing the show with me. I, I appreciate it. And I really, I'm glad you read the book. I'm glad you actually got to read an R.L. Stein book for the first time.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, this was, this was definitely, I, I I felt like I got to check off a uh, kid's little, little bucket list thing. Like, all right, read an Stein book, done. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, one day, maybe I'll, I'll get to the sequels. We can do those too. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So if you want to find Brooker, you can find him or actually find him on the Film on the Rocks podcast with his friend, Nate. And like I said, they cover a lot of different movies and uh, they do fun games. You don't have to drink to listen to it. It's just a fun, uh, you know, discussion with friends. It's great. It's a good, good show. And uh, if you want to talk to them, you can find them on Twitter at Film on the Rocks or on Instagram at Film on the Rocks podcast. Or you can email them at FOTR for Film on the Rocks. F O T R podcast at gmail.com. And Brooker, you have a letterboxd, right? Don't you, do you have an ID on letterboxd? Yes, I do. Let me double
0: check real quick that I know my handle. Uh, <laughs> because you know, how often do I search myself on there? Um, I, know, I know. It's like one of those things where you, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find me on Letterbox at film on the rocks, all one word.
1: Okay, good. Yeah. Good. And I'm actually going to put up your link tree. So in my uh, comments and whatnot, hopefully it can be used. I don't know. Just depending on the, the platform and hopefully they can find you wherever they listen to podcasts. So, and
0: you know, that'd be great. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Dustin, so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I, I I thank you for coming along. Thanks for
1: listening to today's episode. For more information on Film of the Rocks or The Babysitter, you can contact me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at Dustin Can Read. You can also reach me via email at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com and please rate and review on iTunes or Podchaser or wherever you listen to the show. Also, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can be up to date on new episodes. Thank you for listening. Until next time.
0: Dustin Can Read